This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 96 of the State US podcast. I am Ben and Gary is with me. Are you alright? I'm alright mate. How are you? Have you sorted your Xbox? <laughs> I, I did. I did anticipate something like that. Yes, I did. Um, I, I genuinely wouldn't have been asked if I didn't get one, but uh, yeah, I got an email today saying that they've reserved one for me because they, uh, the website I went through, completely died yesterday. Um, which is an absolute well cluster. I think the first part of that word is. But uh, sorry, all I heard there was white noise. Um, <laughs> The thing is, we've just had a 10-minute chat off-air about all manner of stuff, and I completely forgot about it until you said, how are you? And I thought, what have I seen from Ben on social media that I can use this week? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's been banging on about his Xbox. No. But you've already ordered a PS5. Do you have to have both? Yes. And what's the advantage of having both? Because I run a website about video games, so I can talk about all of the video games, not just the ones that are on one system. That has burned me. <laughs> because it's an answer that I have no response to. <laughs> um, just a quick question before we get started. Does the fact that Microsoft have taken over Bethesda mean that any potential Fallout future release is unlikely on the PS5? Uh, it, it would potentially mean that, yes. Bastards. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I bought an Xbox. Yeah, but I can't have both. I had both once. I had an Xbox, uh, what's the latest one? The Xbox One, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I had an Xbox One and a PS4, and I had the Xbox One for about, I don't know, six weeks, and I never turned it on, so I sold it for £200. Mm. Well, you know, you can get the new one for like 30 quid a month with Game Pass, so you never have to actually buy any games, which is pretty decent. Yeah, you know what my internet's like, Ben. That's not possible. That is true, actually. Physical copies. Yeah, that is very true. uh, Anyway, we're not here to talk about video games. I've got another podcast for that. Um, Have you? Where where can people find that, Ben? They can find that at nextgenbase.com. Thank you for asking. No Um, Yeah, so uh, we're obviously here to talk about Lincoln City. Um, Great win on Saturday against MK Dons. I thought we played very well first half. Second half, I thought, looked a little bit shaky at times. Um, and, I mean, it, it did sort of turn into the Brett Huxtable show, didn't it? We, we sort of anticipated that. But overall, I thought we were good value for the win. I don't really think MK challenged us too much in the first half. Um, started to put the pressure on a little bit second half. But, um, yeah, six points from six. Can't complain with that, can we? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna um pull not pull you up, but I'm gonna um disagree with a comment that people will be surprised about. I actually didn't think it did turn into the Brett Hoxtable show. Joe, I don't think he's a good referee by any stretch of the imagination. Um but I don't think his decisions um impacted the outcome of the game. Okay, he got our penalty wrong and then didn't give us one kind of in retaliation, which is, you know, textbook hookstable, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um but in actual fact, apart from the flurry of yellow cards, the majority of which were aimed at MK Dons as they stopped us breaking. Um 
he wasn't terrible. Their offside was was the correct call. The linesman didn't flag, so he didn't award it. But you know, for me, TJ's played Joe Mason on the side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thanks to um, iFollow's cutting edge technology, I missed the uh, the first half an hour of the game. Uh, well, I didn't. I got to see it. It was a little white circle going round and round on a black background. <laughs> Um, but, you know, the first half, it seemed to me like MK Dons were doing very much like Oxford did against us in the first half. We stayed narrow. We stayed compact. They couldn't get through the middle. They didn't have the right threat out wide. We can deal with crosses into the box. The penalty was a bonus. But I think when we've got a lead to defend, we're going to be a tough team to break down. Uh, second half, thought MK Dons came out with much more endeavour. Uh, they made a couple of changes, I think, didn't they? As, as the half wore on, they looked to get at us. But... The more they look to get at us, the more they left the spaces and the more that there were spaces that we, we can attack quite quickly. And I think mm-hmm. that's where you, if you look, you know, two or three of the yellow cards came where their players just were done, where one of our boys has rolled them and looks like he's going away and it's a tug or a little nudge or something like that. Um, and for me, they, you know, they are yellow cards, the yellow card offence. Back in the day, if you committed a foul with an intent, it had to be bad to draw a yellow card. Now it just has to be intent. If you intentionally foul another player, you get a yellow card. That was never the case sort of 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, when they equalised, Ben, I'll be honest, I thought, oh, bugger. That's, a, that's you know, backs to the wall for the last however long it was. Mm. Um, and instead, you know... Um, Wonderful, uh, wonderful goal for Mr. Hopper, who had a good afternoon all round. So, absolutely, uh, yeah, good three points, and a nice start, six from six. Yeah, totally. I mean, we we said pre season that it was, uh, you know, it was a tough start. Um, personally, I thought that, you know, I was expecting maybe, you know, at best four points from the opening two games. You know, I I thought we'd struggle against Oxford, and I thought MK was going to be one of those games that. You know, you, you, you two teams that have been around each other, shall we say, for you know for a while. But uh, I, I, yeah, I was really, really impressed with what I saw again on Saturday, and it was. Um, I mean, you know, we shouldn't really make light of the uh, the, the yet another brilliant save from Alex Palmer. Um, that, I, I, well, you, you said it yourself. You know, those those saves are going to be as important as goals at some point. In the season, and I think he was um, probably I pro- you know, might have given him a man of the match on Saturday. Um, although there wasn't a huge amount for him to do outside of that, when he was called upon, he did exactly what he needed to do. Ah, um, so would you give a guy if we won one nil? Would you give the goal scorer a man of the match just because he scored? Possibly depends. You know, depends then on a few you are other the things. type of person who should never be asked to give a man of the match. <laughs> no, I mean you know. He was up there for me. I think um, that that save was, yeah, it was like you said, it's as good as a goal. But uh... McGrandles for me, I thought McGrandles mm. worked phenomenally hard. James Jones worked phenomenally hard. They both covered every blade of grass. I think in uh, in the stadium, um, Tom Hopper had a really good game. You know, and that's not just because he scored a goal. I think a bit deeper than that. Ben. Um, you want a penalty <laughs> as well. Um, but no, you know, when you're ploughing that lone furrow up front and, you know, the ball isn't coming into you an awful lot, you have to make something of it when it does. Um, and also that, you know, Harry Anderson was excellent, I thought again. I thought he fought really, really mm. hard. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's having a great season. And I know it's silly to say that after four or five games, but, you know, he's got a goal. Uh, Scunthorpe, he didn't score against Bradford, did he? No. Um, but he got a goal against Scunthorpe. He's got two assists now as well, and that mm-hmm. puts him level with any other player in the division on two assists. Yeah. Um, so you know, fantastic from him. Uh, look, I, we talked. You talked there about four points from the first two games. I, I expected less than that, and perhaps I'm more of a pessimist or a miserable bastard. Some people might say, um, but I expected not heading out of the crew game. I'm talking when the fixtures were first released. I looked at it and thought Oxford point at best. Away at MK Dons, point at best. Uh, Charlton at home, point at best. And then you think three from a potential nine. That's you know that's not not good. 
you, know, you always want to be in credit in terms of games and points. So if you've played three games, you always want to have, you know, arguably twice as many points. That then goes down as the season goes on. But you never want the same amount of games and points. That's That always kind of sticks in my head from being a kid when I used to look at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, you always eventually, if you've got, like, if you play 46 games and you've got 66 points, you've got 20 more points than games, you're onto a winner. So that's where you always kind of look, you know, if you've played three, you want four or five. If you play five, you want seven, eight, nine points. So, do you know what I mean? In order yeah. to be safe. Um, so if you've played two and got six, excellent. Uh, it's a long, long season, but I think there's an awful lot of people who have wary red, red and white, white, who comment on the forums, who comment on Twitter or are Lincoln City fans who feel a hell of a lot more comfortable now than they did when that first opening whistle blew at Gresty Road a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I think I said this. Um, I, I had the privilege of joining uh, of joining Rob uh, Makepeace on the radio last week. So, radio I, friends, radio friends. Um, yeah, you know, I I, uh, I had a chat with him, um, and I said that I think there's probably going to be a lot more um, in the well, many more Lincoln City fans now. Um, I think probably feeling a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more confident about you know, Michael Appleton and, and his style of play and, and the way that he aims to get the club um, moving um, than, you know, six weeks ago. Um, I think before the season started, I think there was still quite a lot of people that were, you know, giving it the the sort of, well, he's, he's clearly just trying to dismantle what the previous regime had done and all the rest of it. But ultimately, I think he's... You know the, the results are speaking for themselves at this point. So um, it's, um, not, it's not it's not just the results. I think it's the performances as well. Yes. Um, as yet, in actual fact, we haven't seen, in my opinion, what Michael is well known for, and that's that kind of um, passing, expansive, free attacking football. Certainly not in the league games. You know, we played two league games where we've done exactly what I said pre-season. We we were not about, and that's we've set up against the opposition rather than setting up for ourselves. And, you know, I've always said, our oh, Michael's a player who sets up for himself and our previous manager always kind of set up for the opposition. And, but, you know, we've actually done a fantastic job tactically. And, you know, I was always worried in the wake of the Gillingham game last season where we went to Gillingham and we were done. Mm-hmm. We looked naive at Gillingham because we went there kind of to play our game. It was, you know, we went into to battle and, and we took blow up weapons thinking it was going to be for fun. And, and Steve Evans rolled out a couple of cannons and, and sharpened blades. That that was what it looked like. And we kind of stood there going, what, we were meant to be real weapons? Mm-hmm. And we lost one nil and we looked bad. Um, but now you can see that actually, now that Michael's got his own soldiers, his own players, his own men, um, you know, he's able to do an awful lot more. So I didn't hear you on the radio, by the way, Ben. I had um, something better to do. Um, did it go all right? <laughs> wow. That, wow, Gary, that, that stings. No, that... I would. I genuinely, I would have listened if I didn't have, you know, I can't remember what it was now. It's some, a toenail uh, clip. It's something. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly what it was. No, to be honest, it was, uh, it was Friday night and I was out walking the dog with my good lady in, in what was quite a nice evening. Did it go all right, though, did it? Did you, you did some punditry for a change, did it? Yeah, it was good. You know, I, I sat down and we had, uh, we had a good chat and talked about um, Carl Robinson, how much of a dick he was at the end of his... Uh... I bet you didn't say dick on the radio. No, I didn't. I had to, uh, I had to use the phrase interesting. And, uh, you know... Is, is, that, is that an alternative word for dick? Well, it depends what it looks like, really, but um, it's... Okay, that's it, interesting. <laughs> it, I had to use some uh, some some clever alternatives, shall we say. Um, wow. But yeah, we, okay. we were talking about, like, manager's comments and, uh, you know, the fact that he was deflecting and all the rest of it. So, no, it was, uh, it was a good uh, good one. And uh, from, you know, I had a couple of conversations with Rob afterwards and I think uh, might be some interesting ideas coming up you know in the good way of using interesting um might be some interesting Not ideas. some dick ideas <laughs> some dick ideas <laughs> oh dear but yeah um i think mk was uh you know it was a, a game that i think we both said going into it we'd expect to finish the, above them so you yeah. know we probably should be beating them and i think ultimately yeah we managed to show why that is the case and you know yeah. why we're thinking that so 
It's quite right. And just for those that do watch the um, the pre-match show, um, I did actually predict a 2-1 win. And I think I might have even said Tom Hopper goal. Yeah, but the thing is, you contradicted yourself, didn't you? Because you said a different score on the podcast. What score did I say on the podcast? I think you said 2-0. Think isn't good enough. What score did I say? If you don't know, it didn't happen. I don't know, but I think it was (laughs) 2-0. So I did still say a Lincoln win and for us to score two goals? Yeah. Cool. Okay, brilliant. (laughs) Ben, just stop stop being interesting. Just... (laughs) Just keep doing backflips, mate. You know, just, just, just keep, <laughs> keep trying to, you know, make it so that you're right in some way. It's all good. It's all good. It, it, it's, it's impossible to keep track of everything I say and write these days, unfortunately. <laughs> Genuinely, uh, when when Sam asked me for the res- for a result, I'm like, oh, crap. I can't remember what I said yesterday. <laughs> Day before. Panicking. Anyway, there we go. So yes, uh, yeah. So it was, it was a good win. It was a good win, and like you say, um, I think it's it, it, lots of positive signs and lots of Michael Appleton's critics from last season. Mm. You know, are beginning to see the progress. But you know, it's we've we've won four from five, yep. or five from five if you count the penalty shootout, which I don't, but some do. So let's say one five from five, and. Um, we ain't going to win the next five from five. We ain't going to win the next 10 from 10. And it's about, and I hate par- I hate kind of grabbing phrases from the previous manager because it, it almost feels a little bit, you know, like calling your new girlfriend the same thing you called your old girlfriend. Uh, but you can, it's never too high, never too low. Yeah. And, you know, we can't get carried away with, you know, I was, I was looking early, we've had to cancel a holiday uh, in Greece because um, Jet 2 are wankers. And... Um, <laughs> So we're looking now in, in Cornwall and you know, I was given some dates and like I said, can't do the end of May. It's playoff weekend. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet. I don't think I should really be considering that, but um, you never it's know. Nice. Well, it's nice to be thinking that rather than looking at it and thinking no chance. Yeah. And, you know, if you were asked me, if you asked me something like that now, I would say there's a five, 10% chance that we might be in or around it. Um but if we keep playing this football and we keep matching, Oxford are a good team. MK mm. Dons surprised me, actually. I thought they would be worse than they are. I thought, mm. um, aside from a goal scorer, I thought they were a decent organised unit. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, moves, you know, we've got a big test on, on Sunday as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Well, you say we're not going to win, you know, the five from five, we're not going to win the next 10 from 10. Are we going to win the next one from one, Gary? I don't know. Lebo is a decent manager, um, <laughs> and and they're a little bit muddled in their uh, in their formation at the moment. So it's it's going to be. In, I mean, Connor Washington out on the left hand side on Saturday is ridiculous. Oh, you! <laughs> I'm such a wag pretending that <laughs> Liverpool doesn't exist. When any visitor to my site will see that the last ten headlines on my site have the word Liverpool in it. Um, oh yeah. dear. And I would so, have spread each article over four pages if I had adverts on there as well, just to really cash in. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you know, it is it is a big game on Thursday night um, or tonight as you're listening to this. Um, the thing is, it's a hard one to preview because we don't know what to, what sort of team Liverpool are going to bring. I mean, there was a, an interview today f- with their assistant manager. He seemed to imply that they're going to bring a strong team, but what does strong mean in terms of playing Lincoln City? Like, we're not going to see Mane and Salah and, you know, Van Dijk all in the same team, I imagine. So it's such a hard one to preview. I mean, it's obviously a huge game. Everyone's obviously gutted that we can't be there, but it's a big game for the club. There's, you know, it, it, it's a money, you know, it's, it, it's one of those sort of special money nights, if you like. Um, that's a terrible phrase, but I'm going to stick with it. Um, Sounds like something in in the Patong district of uh, whatever the sex city is over in the eastern whatever. It amazes me <laughs> you know quite that much about it, Gary. I would have no idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it's no it's, it's a big night, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, interesting. There, you mentioned uh, the Liverpool assistant manager. Tell me, what is his name? I don't know. No, well, I actually had a DM uh, from somebody saying, I can't wait for Gary to try, or I can't wait for you rather, to try and pronounce his name. Uh-huh. Uh, because I, I think I have a bit of a reputation for pronouncing names badly. 
which basically means I'm turning into everything I used to hate. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, I know he's. I've got. I've got his name in front here, and I'm going to have a go at pronouncing it, and then we can move on to the preview. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not going to wait for for you. I'm going to have a go. I think it's Pepin Linders. Pepin Lingers, yeah. Uh-huh. Do, do you pronounce the J's? Boss, um, yeah, I suppose you did. Pepin Linders, Pe- Pepin Jalingers. Well, um, basically, it sounds was a G, uh, like it? a rest. Yeah, it was G I. J-S or something, wasn't it? It was Gisbert. G-J-I-S, Gisbert, something like is that. It, is, it, so, is, is it like a hard I, an I, Pepine lin, Linders? Pepine Linders. Uh, I don't um. know, um, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know. So I'm not going to try and do it anymore. Uh, we do have a predicted lineup. There's been a few predicted lineups, I think, come through, hasn't there? Um, uh, last week, I think we said that Joel Matic and Alex Oxley Chamberlain might play. That doesn't look like the case anymore. Um, highly likely that Shakiri, uh, Jordan Shakiri, will miss out, um, which is a shame because I quite like him actually. Um, but he's a decent footballer, so it's probably not a shame. Uh, but he might have played. Uh, Origi's likely to play up top. I think they're likely to give Jota a debut, which is pretty big for us. Mm-hmm. Um, James Milner in midfield. I don't really know who some of these other players are, which is kind of the reverse of being a a, a dick, isn't it? Because, um, <laughs> or it's interesting because you know a lot of people will be going, "Well, we know the Liverpool players, but who the hell's this Lewis Monster?" And I'm looking at the Liverpool back four here of Tissimkas, Vandenberg, <laughs> Phillips, and Williams. No idea. No idea who they are at all. Gruwich, yeah. Grudic in midfield. <laughs> Don't know. Adrian in goal. Uh, Adrian, I've, I've heard of him. So that's good news. <laughs> you sure you've not just watched Rocky? Yeah. <laughs> and on the right wing, Minamino, which sounds like a cartoon character. Again, he, no, no, no. I believe he's the, and I want to be uh, culturally appropriate here. Uh, yes, he's the Japanese uh, player that they brought in okay. um, last year. Now, you know, you it, the Googling in the background, so the, the, the trolls, if they want to, they can come out now because it's now me Googling in the background. I'm Googling players from the reigning English champions, um, <laughs> of which for a football writer, I'm not sure whether I should be sad or proud of that. Um, <laughs> I haven't done my um, – I've done my research on Charlton Athletic. Brilliant. I can talk to you about, as I've said, Connor Washington and Alex Gilby all day long. Um, but this guy's played three times for Greece, not once for Liverpool, new signing. So that's interesting, £11.75 million. Pounds. And his first game is likely to be against Lincoln City. Um, look, all joking aside, yeah, I don't know the Liverpool team. Yeah, I know some of the big players. I don't study the Premier League. It's just huge. Um, I, I didn't give it a lot of thought prior to Saturday uh, because I was trying desperately hard to be cool. Um <laughs> didn't work but since the mk don games uh, the mk dons game rather um you know the enormity of it has sunk in and i did an article in midweek saying that, you know, i think there are two clubs in england that spark this sort of feeling amongst the fan base and that's manchester united and liverpool mm. you talk to me about your arsenals your man city your chelsea's spurs west ham leeds all of that as much as you want man united and liverpool are the two because they're the ones that have had prolonged spells of dominance Mm-hmm. Um, at Liverpool, you know, when you think back to um, kind of Shankly, Paisley, uh, Fagan, Dalglish, you know, that whole era for a whole generation of supporters, they were the invincibles. And Arsenal might have gone through the entire season without losing the game, whatever. Um, but, you know, back in the 80s, it was incredibly tough. There was much smaller squads. I mean, I remember Liverpool going 29 games unbeaten in, in the 80s and it was a, a, a run that Leeds had been on and, and that was the record. And Everton stopped them doing it. Wayne Clark, I think, scored and beat them 1-0. But it was like, wow, Liverpool have lost a game. And you know a team are massive when you can think back and certain players have made their name simply by scoring against them. Mm. Uh, Steve Mardenborough scoring against Wolves, uh, against uh, Liverpool at Anfield for Wolves. Dennis Bailey scoring a hat-trick against Man United for QPR, sticking my mind as a kid. And, you know, they're they're, they're the sort, those two teams jump out. So Mm. it's massive, massive for the club. And I get sick of hearing this and I'm going to say it myself, but it's such a shame that Mm. Sintel Bank is going to be empty because this is a night for the fans. It's not a night for the half and halves. 
It's not a night for your mate, not your mate, but, you know, somebody's mate who goes down the pub in his Liverpool shirt. It's not even a night for the Liverpool fans who have been going for the last 30 years and or, or supporting them for 30 years and they're finally coming to Lincoln City. It's a night for us. It's a night for Lincoln City fans um, just to kind of sit back and go, wow, it's a free hit. Mm. I mean, and then you've got the players, you know, they, when I talk about excited, you know, I spoke to Alex Palmer yesterday, Liverpool fan as a kid. James Jones has been in the paper, Liverpool fan. Max Melbourne's in the programme, if anyone's got their copy yesterday, as or today, Liverpool fan. You know, these are players that, for them, this is or might be for one or two of them, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm. Arguably will, um, I mean, Alex Palmer might, Will Max Melbourne go on and play in the Premier League? Possibly, possibly not. Will James Jones? Possibly, possibly not. It's unlikely. So, you know, this, it's just, we can talk, and sorry, I'm talking a little bit now, but in, certainly in the League Cup, I can think back even before I was born and I can tell you some of the big games that we've had in the League Cup. You know, there was Newcastle at some point, I think, in the 60s. There was Derby, which was a huge game for us at the time. You go into the um, 70s, uh, Stoke City, I think, was the League Cup, wasn't it? West Ham in the 80s, Spurs in the 80s, Everton in the 90s, Southampton, mm, you know, not massive, but one that we remember. Yeah. This is another one. This is another one for us to kind of, you know, say, not I was there, but I remember it. But I'll tell you something, win the game, and it's one of the biggest results in our history. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it was, you, you can still, I, I can still see that, you know, the, the god-awful dive that led to their uh, their resurgence now. You know, it was, uh, not bitter about it like much, but it was, um, you know, th- that was one of those results. And, you, of course, you've got to remember the, the game before that was the, the well the two games before that were the um was that that was the same season as the Manchester City result wasn't it well die oh sorry we're talking about Southampton now yes yeah 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 it was yeah we uh we were in the first round and it was a quiz question of mine that I've forgotten um but we got through the first round Manchester City in the second round uh, 4-1 we beat Man City at our place I think UA Rossler scored for them in the first minute and then we, we won 4-1 won 1-0 one, one yep. at their place just boss and then it was on to Southampton yep. um, but it was only one leg then uh, yes. and yet we drew 2-2 at their place mm. yeah it was uh, it was it, it was a you know great couple of nights I mean I remember being at the, the Man City game and you know I think I said that I told this story on Twitter the other day that um, I was at the Man City game as a as a you know excitable ten year old with one of my mates, and there someone from the Echo took a photo of us, um, which then got focused in on me and my friend, um, plastered in the uh, in the, the centre pages the following day with the the big pull out of you know looking back at Lincoln City's incredible win. Um, which would have all been great had my dad not told the uh, conductor of the brass band I was in at the time that I was ill that night, which is why I wasn't going to be there uh, for the band practice. And, um, yeah, got a bit of a bollocking from that the following week. This uh, one time, a band camp. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Yeah, it was Hartlepool. I'm sure it was Hartlepool. Okay. Beat in the first round. But, no, it was it was a great night. It was a great night, and that Ben was a great story. Um, I can sense the sarcasm dripping. No, do you know what? Actually, it's, do you know what? It isn't. It sounded sarcastic, but it isn't. Because what it goes to show is that it's these games that make memories. That's what yeah. it, that, That's what you underline. I can tell you a story about the Manchester City game, which is unbelievably banal and boring about how I came to go with a Manchester City fan from rugby. And I went. it was the first time I'd been in his house because it sticks in my mind. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how I went to what. Exeter with when we beat them 2 0 on the opening day of the season of, I think, 94, 95, mm. possibly. I know I went to it, but it doesn't stick in the mind. You know, mm. and, and football is um, it's a memory creator, but it's also, it, it creates hooks for you to remember other things. And, you know, the number of times I'll talk about a holiday and I'll be like, oh, yeah, we played such and such because I was away. I can remember going to Northumberland. Because we drew one one with Macclesfield, Neil Erdley equalised late on because it was a home game that I missed. I remember going back to Northumberland uh, the season after, 
losing 6-0 and watching Michael Appleton doing his press conference in Northumberland thinking, oh, what a time to book a holiday. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Football creates hooks and tomorrow night will. No matter who people kind of, people will get together, I'm sure, and watch it and, you know, some, it, it, it isn't going to be as memorable. It isn't going to be like the Everton game last season, um, unfortunately, because we can't go but it's a different level in terms of the opposition, whoever they choose to bring. You yeah. know, if they do bring a, a reserve team rather than under 23, which it looks like they're going to do. You know, well, I don't think they can play the under 23s because they played on um, Tuesday night. It's the under 21s play on Tuesday night isn't it? in the EFL trophy. I thought it was the 23s. No, it's the 21s that are in the oh, EFL okay. trophy. But the 23s do play, I think, somebody said tomorrow or something like that. I think they've got the 23s have got a fixture. Right, okay. Um, so, look, at the end of the day, it's a free hit. We lose. We've lost. Do you know what I mean? You, you, as long as you go out and give it a go, um, be nice to get a goal. I think that was what I was thinking in the run-up to the Everton game. But it's, I'll be honest, it's odd for me to get excited about a game like this. Um People who, who who have got good memories for me saying stuff that seems stupid in retrospect um, will remember me saying that Everton away in the FA Cup wasn't particularly exciting me, um, and then it did when I got there mm. last year. All I wanted from Everton in the in the Carabao Cup was for us to not get beat eight 0 and humiliate ourselves. Mm. Um, cup games like this are. You know, they're they're a, they're a kind of a they're like watching a film. They're a they're a piece of entertainment, and football for me is not and not just entertainment. Football for me is progression, the hope of winning. It's always about the next step of building, you know. And that isn't really what's expected, is it? Tomorrow or tonight, as you're listening to it, what's expected is we go out, we have our little five minutes in the sun. Liverpool score four, we get one, we cheer our goal, everyone moves on, and and it's forgotten. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's just I don't know that little bit of hope, isn't it? It's that little bit of thought at the back yeah. of your mind that just thinks, "What if? Yeah. yeah, what if we were to win this game? What if we were to have it nil nil at eighty nine minutes, and then Bradley Wood gives away a free kick and Adam Marriott? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, but it is like yeah. that different yeah, level of opposition. But yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I think it's uh, it. It's it, you know, obviously, like you just alluded to, it, it will bring back certain memories of the the FA Cup run and stuff like that. You know, I mean, that was the the night against Ipswich. You know, I've said it before; it was it was when I completely fell back in love with the club, and it was like you said, it, it creates memories. And I can pretty much tell you exactly where I was before that game, where I was during the game, and where I was after the game. Band um, camp. Sorry, band camp. No, not Bandcamp, Gary. Although one time I did stick it. No, um, it was, um, you know, it's that kind of thing that it will, you know, games like these will create memories. And unfortunately, the memories are going to be created in our living rooms or, you know, at a pub if you decide to go down that road. But yeah, it's, um, it's a huge night for the club. And, you know, like we've said before, it's the first time in one hundred and God knows how many years that we've we've faced the the reigning champions of England. So it's uh, it's an exciting night. Um, but like you say, we're we're kind of expecting to go out. But if we don't, it will be a hell of a you know there'll be some hell of a fantastic headlines on uh, on Friday morning. So, One hundred and thirty-two years. There you go. Amazing. Right. Well, after that, we've got a very important game um, on Sunday uh, against Charlton Athletic and. Uh, how well, actually no before we before we go on to to Charlton let's probably talk about the other thing that's uh, that's been in the news a little bit this week obviously the um, the situation at the moment uh, with the the global bastard as I'm going to call it is uh, is is sort of putting the kibosh on uh, you know people's plans for everything um, Boris has come out and said yep yeah, well we're gonna uh, uh, the global bastard now I get it yeah there you go um, Boris. Well, <laughs> not quite global, but he's as big a prick. Um, you know, he's sort of come out and uh, and said, well, you know, the the plans for reintroducing fans to sporting events is going to stop. You know, we're not going to do that in October, um, which is basically stop the you know this this idea of having the test events. So, um, 
I mean, the possibility of of no match day income at the ground for for up to six months, as it's being touted, uh, is is devastating for the club. I mean, it really is. There's no two ways about it. It's going to be devastating for loads of clubs within the league. Um, we've seen all sorts of doomsday predictions from from plenty of chairmen in the league. Uh, I think Andy Holt suggested, you know, it could be that as many as you know, thirty or forty, if not more, clubs in the seventy-two will potentially go bust. Um, Darren McAntony's come out today and said that you know the government needs to write a check to football. I I, I agreed with Darren McAntony's statement for the, the vast majority of it, but ultimately it's easy to say that when you've just taken ten million pounds for Ivan Tony. But you know that's that's aside. You know it's all aside. I think ultimately at the moment there needs to be something done for for clubs in the in the divisions that aren't in that top flight. Um, what that is. I don't know. I don't get paid enough to make those decisions. Um, and, you know, I'm not smart enough to make those decisions. So something's got to be done. But, but I mean, what, what what would you guess, if, you know, or, or think is the uh, the possible solution at the moment? <laughs> I ain't got a solution for you, Ben. <laughs> I've got absolutely no idea at all, mate. Um, mm. I don't think that uh, clubs who have spent excessively in the summer, certainly not on uh, actual physical transfer fees, um, shouldn't now be going cap in hand. Uh, but I'm sure that that's not the case right now. You know, it's Dara McAntony's talking. I'm sure about football in a wider context. Yes, that's um, that's how I took his. Peter that's Brown. how I took his statement. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't strike me as the sort of man that will now be cap in hand when it's obvious that Peterborough will have the financial clout to survive. Yeah, and you know the clubs I worry about are the Rochdales and uh, and the Accringtons of this world and the, the AFC Wimbledon's. You know the clubs that I will be watching very closely to see how they react are. Um, the Bristol Rovers and the whole cities of this world who have quite clearly spent money mm-hmm. um, over the summer because if you know if it's obvious that a club has spent a transfer fee and I'm not talking about you know the mysterious undisclosed like ours for Adam Jackson where you know it's very clear no money changed hands initially um, but if a club has spent money physical money two three four hundred thousand pounds on a player in our division then they're not really in any position to now go well we didn't know what was going to happen you know we're, we're in trouble now yeah but the warning signs were there you know mm. last season's league was curtailed and whilst there was always plans for us to get fans back in stadiums I think those clubs that have kind of budgeted for that potentially not to happen um, will we'll show a certain you know level of robustness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding, and I am happy to be corrected by um, members of the club if this is not correct, but it's my understanding that there was some sort of um, strategy put in place at Lincoln City um, that would, although it wouldn't be easy, would, would see some sort of survival through to the season's end if supporters were not allowed back in the club. Um, I may be wrong about that. I think I've seen uh, one of my sort of fellow supporters board members mention it on social media. So it, I don't think it was a, a confidential thing. I think it's something that has come out somewhere in the past that mm-hmm. were no supporters to come into the ground between now and August 2021. Lincoln City, um, maybe not in the same sort of, um, you know, the same functionalities we are now, but there would be a club come August 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm happy to be corrected on that because that's kind of it's coming off the top of my head rather than research uh, because I, I didn't realise we were going to chat about this topic today. Um, you know, in the wider context, yeah, obviously it's an arse, isn't it? Is is the way to put it? And yeah. people are saying, well, there'll be more clubs like Macclesfield go now. Macclesfield didn't go because of COVID nineteen. Macclesfield went because their owner was a wanker. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wigan were not closing in on administration because of COVID-19. Um, they were closing in on administration because, see, last answer. Um, and it's the same, you know, the clubs that are on the brink are the ones The ones that I worry about, as I say, are the well-run clubs mm. that are going to struggle to survive. Yes, sport will take a hit. It's all right, chairman, going to the government and saying you need to find something that's going to help football clubs out. Um, what about workers? What about hospitality yeah. industry? What about everything else? You know, mm. it, it, I, I, I'm not going to get too much into COVID and Corona and all of that because um, I'm, I'm becoming the type of person that at the start of the pandemic, I 
passionately disliked. But as I've said before, you know, COVID doesn't walk along a street, see a football match going on and going, oh no, that's Dorchester Town, there's step seven. Uh, yeah. They're all right with a thousand fans in. Let's mosey on down to Shrewsbury. I mean, Shrewsbury mm. to Dorchester is quite a check trek. <laughs> I, I, I heard COVID spreads. Um, let's go down there where they've got a thousand people and we'll, we'll spread around them. Um, and, you know, it's the same with pubs closing at 10. You know, you still go to the supermarket, grouse shooting. You know, I know there's been jokes about if you take guns down to um, Sinsel Bank and, and try and shoot innocent animals, COVID will, will pass you by. Um, but you can't visit a wildlife park and uh, and support innocent animals upkeep because pff, COVID will get you. It's the work of the devil, Ben. Yeah. I mean, the worst one for me is, you know, um, people that are, you know, people that are going to hospitals to see their, or, you know, accompany their pregnant partners aren't allowed in the hospital, but they're quite happy to, you know, let them go and have a pint in the pub next door. It's like, come on. But, but yeah. I, quite, I, I found it amusing that 15 can go to uh, a wedding, but, I, but 30 to a funeral, because I'm kind of thinking, you know, if the people that are passing away are sadly of a certain age, the likelihood is that the other the other churchgoers who are seeing them off may be of a certain age as well. I'm just wondering <laughs> if the government are going, I tell you what, let's double the <laughs> amount and we'll, we'll soon get rid of the people that are passing away from <laughs> Do you know what? It, it it did feel a little bit like that. We need and to drop know, the state pension budget. How are we going to do that? Yeah, exactly. And you look at the infection rates all over the country and, you know, you've got this little town in Wales, like Wales, this county in Wales with like 3,000 people and a sheep and because two people have got it, percentage-wise, they go into lockdown. And then you've got London where there's like huge blue chunks all over. And it's like, well, I don't think we need to go into lockdown yet because, you know, the percentages aren't right. Yeah, like every other person living in a poor tower block has got it, but it's all right because the affluent eight miles around it, you know, they're managing to lock their gates. And it's, it, I, I, look, we're getting too political now. It's the effect on football. The fact is it's happening, whether we agree with the way it's being run or not. Personally, I think it was a little crass to run the test events um, at the weekend and then on the Monday basically say, mm. well, we need not have done that. And yeah. also to say these will, these protocols will be in place for six months is ridiculous because we don't know. Maybe they'll find a vaccine in three weeks' time. I know that, again, yeah. we don't know. I'm not saying they will. They might find a vaccine. I think they've said the- up to six months, which is basically this, you know, the, uh, the broadband speed equivalent of you'll get up to... 20 yeah. megabit a second. But they shouldn't be saying that. It's, it's irresponsible. And yeah. I know that maybe what they're trying to do is give sport a chance to um, to address itself and go, well, if it's going to be up to six months, then we'd better start budgeting it for it, budgeting for it to be up to six months. So yeah. It just hacks me off. Um, this is the longest, and I'm sure many people will be the same. It's the longest I haven't seen live football in Sinsel Bank um, since my first game. Mm. And even when I moved away to Cambridge, I saw regular football. You know, I came back for games every sort of six, eight, 12 weeks. And this is just, you know, but it's not about me, is it? No, no. It's uh, That's ultimately the, the message that I think a lot of people probably need to get through their heads, that it's not well, about... it's not about Gary. <laughs> it's not about them. You know, it's, yeah. it's not about, it's not about individuals at this point. It's about trying to get through it and... Uh, I mean, They're so just, vain, they probably think this podcast is about them. <laughs> just, <laughs> Christ, just to, you know, sort of echo what you've said. I know you you, uh, you, you put something up on uh, on Facebook the other day and it was, it was about this whole situation. And you think, well, you know, when, when they, you know, when they come out and say, oh, we're relying on the British people's common sense, <laughs> that, that's just the death knell in the country. You know, it's not, it's not something that we're particularly well known for god be honest um but anyway let's let's move on from that because obviously it's a it's a very touchy subject i mean we're going to try and um we're going to try and see if we can get some uh some more insight into this and hopefully uh at some point soon we can have some more detailed chats about it but well if we're trying to get more insight into corona and sport we don't want to be talking to matt hancock or michael gove do we because they've got as much insight as we have <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my tongue because otherwise I'll say something that will get me into shit on social media. So uh, let's move on to the Charlton game. Um, yeah, obviously you know 
Charlton on Sunday, not uh, not Saturday due to the Liverpool game. Um, had a middling start to the season. I think they've won one and then uh, in the league at least. I think they, they won the first game and got hammered by uh, Doncaster at home uh, last weekend. Um, d- a difficult one to predict maybe, Gary? Yeah. Um, again, as I've said, kind of setup-wise, there's no real cohesion, rhyme or reason. Um, first uh, Carabao Cup game in which they beat Swindon, they set up 4-1, 4-1. Uh, they then had their first league encounter against Crewe and set up uh, 4-3-3. They then hosted West Ham in the Carabao Cup, or well, sorry, they went away to West Ham in the Carabao Cup and played 4-4, 1-1. Uh, and then in losing to Doncaster at the weekend, they played 3-5-2. Um, mm. for half the game, to be fair. And after half the game, uh, I think they no, they started, sorry, 4-1-4-1 and then went to 3-5-2. Um, but I think the game was was pretty much beyond them. Their XG is quite interesting. And I know people are going, oh, God, he's going to go on about XG again. It's made up. Um, but against Doncaster, Doncaster's XG was actually 0.94. So they should have scored one goal and they got three. Charlton's was 1.71. Arguably, Charlton should have won that game 2-1 based on clear-cut chances. Um, mm. Doncaster had uh, more shots, to be fair, and more shots on target, but they weren't of a certain quality. Um, and then when you look at their game against Crew, that they won 2-0, uh, Crew's XG was 1.2 and theirs was 1.07. So arguably, they shouldn't have won that game. It should have been a draw or Crew should have edged it. Same with Swindon in the Cup. Swindon was 1.23, theirs was 1.28. So actually... The chances are not really reflecting the outcome of the game. That's a little bit like us. Um, I haven't got our XG stats in front of me because I don't normally like to talk about XG because people will call me names. Um, but it's interesting, I think, that you know we haven't had that many clear-cut chances and teams have had clear-cut chances against us, and yet we've ground our results as well. Um, I wonder if we might see them go 4-3-3. Um, they obviously did... They played 4-3-3 away at Crew. I wonder if that's kind of going to be their go-to um, formation away from home. They changed it on the hour mark and went kind of 4-2-3-1, but you know, teams switch things up quite a lot, obviously, in the latter stages of games. Now, if they do, um, their lineup is going to be particularly interesting. I think we'll see Macaulay Bond back at Sinsel Bank. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, I think there's clubs looking at paying over a million pounds for Bond, which means he must have kind of come on a little bit. A decent striker for us. Um, if they do, they're likely to play Connor Washington on the left, which surprises me because I see Connor Washington as kind of a guy that can play through the centre. He was a, for those who don't know, I think he made his name. He was at St. Neots Town. I think he went over to play for Newport County. Did really well for Newport, signed for Peterborough. Since been with QPR. Um, I think he even went on loan Sheffield United when they won promotion to the Premier League. But he's he's not really cut it since he's left Peterborough. He's kind, he's a big player at the minute. Um, he's one that they're going to want to be performing. And I think he has already scored this season. They've got a really exciting lad who can play on the flanks as well, a 20-year-old called Alfie Doughty. Celtic are desperately trying to buy Doughty, um, but they won't raise their bid. There's been lots of kind of to-ing and fro-ing in the media about Celtic trying to use their their sway to, to get him on a cheaper deal and all that sort of stuff. We're going to need to look out for him. Um, Alex Gilby's one that I've spoken about. Uh, before um, he is, he was at MK Dons last season, so he's, he's almost like a kind of a, a Conor McGrandall's figure, plays central midfield. For Jake Forsky Kasky, Darren Kasky's son, um, for people of a certain age, another lad plays from George Lapsley's decent lad. They've got a decent squad. Um, ben Purrington, uh, he came, I think, from Plymouth, or he's certainly a Plymouth lad, um, spent time with Rotherham and was on loan at uh, Charlton. Really kind of steady, reliable left back. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough game for me. I mean, I, the Doncaster result really surprised me because I would definitely have had that down for a Doncaster, uh, for a Charlton win. Um, whether they just got there, whether kind of Charlton set up badly in the first instance, as I say, they did the four one four one with um, with Washington and Doughty on the flanks, but um, it's going to be interesting. I see a kind of a lack of clarity in how Charlton are going to play. 
Um, mm. They seem to be mixing it up a bit. Obviously, they've been under um, restrictions, haven't they? I don't, don't know if it's a transfer embargo. They've certainly struggled to sign players uh, due to the salary cap as well. And Lee Bowie has spoke out about that quite a bit. Uh, probably, and I've said it already twice this season, uh, but for the third game in a row, probably a good time to play them. Um, in terms of, you know, that they haven't been able to bring the players in that they want at the moment. Um, and, you know, if they do sell Bon or they do sell Doughty, then they will be reinvesting that money. So should be an interesting tie. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to... It's difficult to probably put a, put a potential score on it. I mean, I, I honestly don't really know what to expect. I've not really kept tabs on, on much of Charlton, to be honest with you, this season, so... Um, yeah, interesting one. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I think I might just sit on the fence and say we'll take a point. Um. Yeah, do, do you know what? One thing I like about Charlton is they have a really good record of producing young players and giving young players a chance. Um, I don't have their names to hand now, but they signed a couple of lads to their under-23 team from non-league earlier in the season. Uh, obviously, as, as well as Doughty, they've had a lad called Albie Morgan who's come through their um, youth ranks. And when you look at other players that have either been developed there, I'm talking, um, I can't think of the lad now that's at bloody... Uh, that was at West Ham, that was there on loan. Cullen, Josh Cullen, potentially. Um, Joe Aribo came through the ranks there and went to Rangers. Carlin Ahern Grant uh, went through the, the, the ranks at Charlton and obviously went on to better things as well. So they're, they're actually they're a, they're a good side. They're a side for me that shouldn't be in League One. They've been beset by ownership problems. If, it, what, if they've got a decent owner in, um, mm. I think that... They're, they could quite easily be a, a mid to upper table championship side. And that's with Lee Bowyer as a manager who um, I've got a huge amount of respect for. Mm. He came in, I think, as Carl Robinson's, um, he was a youth team coach. Carl Robinson pointed him to number two. Robinson then obviously left and went to um, Oxford because he fell out with the owners. And Bowyer kind of stepped up under the former owner, uh, the the Belgian fella whose name I always pronounce wrong. Um, who was you know he's a complete prick. He wouldn't even give the youth team water. They had to bring their own in bottles. And yet, Bo, you're working under all of that. Still managed to get them out of the, the League One. You know, in over Sunderland in the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and finished higher than Peter, uh, Portsmouth and Peterborough as well. So, did a phenomenal job. Really unlucky not to keep him in in the division last season in the Championship. You know, had the EFL been a little bit more stringent with with punishing Sheffield Wednesday, Charlton would have stayed up. Mm. Um, and again, that kind of that lack of investment didn't help them. Uh, Lyle Taylor not playing in the final games because he didn't want to get injured didn't help them massively. You know, they were really let down last season in that respect. So mm. they're a team that um, I can't remember my predictions, um, but I think they were ones that I said if they got taken over. Uh, or if if they found some sort of routine, then they'll certainly be trouble in the top six. Uh, so you know it's it, it's a, it's another tough game, but I suppose that's all you really get when you're in League One. Hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, right, okay. Uh, I was gonna say that um, that that's pretty much it for for the week. I think we're we're pushing on fifty minutes, well, just over fifty minutes now, but. Um, I've just seen that there is um, a statement from Liam Scully on uh, on the website that has just oh, been put uh, So I shall read out parts of the statement. It says, during last night's announcement by the government, we heard the disappointing news surrounding the delay of supporters returning to the stadiums. Uh, we very much respect the scientific and, uh, scientific and medical advice relayed and understand that sport has its part to play in helping manage the spread of the virus. Sorry, has to play its part. Um, our firm commitment to safe stadiums has been evidenced in our tireless work designing stringent stri- stringent stadium protocols. These would have uh, been implemented to keep supporters safe by heavily regu- regulated crowd management strategies. Naturally, we're frustrated that we'll not be able to continue this work. Um, to Lincoln City fans, I would like to assure you that we are working tirelessly to safeguard the club. Directors and investors, uh, directors and investors have committed their support to do all they can within their powers. However, there isn't an endless supply of funds, and there are some major challenges on the road ahead. In line with the collective EFL think- thinking, our strategy to this point has been to rely heavily on cash advances, advances, and spreading immediate liabilities over an extended period into the future. 
The fact that fans may now conceivably be kept away from attending matches and stadiums until March 2021 presents a huge problem and is one that will be faced collectively. We trust the EFL and those engaged directly with the government and other stakeholders on our behalf and wait with hope and optimism for assistance. Um, more locally, we do need to address the, address the provision that we have in place for the 4,500 season ticket holders who have remained phenomenally supportive throughout this difficult period. As you know, the credit and I follow code system has some flaws, but we had hoped it would suffer to cover a short-term need until stadiums reopened in October. We now recognise that we need to review this system as it is no longer fit for purpose, given it unfairly penalises fans with multiple season ticket holders in a single household. We're committed to doing this over the next few days and will ensure we communicate further as soon as practically possible. And then finally, it would not it would be remiss not to recognise the frustrations that some of you are experiencing while using iFollow. It's great to hear and see that most of our fans are enjoying trouble-free streaming experiences. However, for the minority that aren't, please be assured we remain in constant dialogue with our streaming partners, working collaboratively to overcome technical issues. Um, I'm sorry I can't give you a more positive message at this point, but thank you once again for your incredible support. We really look forward to seeing you at the LNAR Stadium once you're permitted to return. Um, there is a little bit more in there as well, but I've kind of truncated it down a little bit. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of what we expected, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there isn't a lot more to add, is there really, um, to that? Uh, it's just a typical Liam um statement based grounded in common sense um mm. acknowledging all parties involved not just lincoln city but the supporters the other teams that sort of thing um not going cap in hand but at the same time you know just it's look do you know what i'm not even, i'm not going to talk about the um statement i'm actually just going to say a little bit about liam because um he takes a he takes a lot of stick on social media, and I, you know I know that that social media isn't reflective of society. You know, it's, it's a bin it's, fire. Yeah, it's the worst two percent making themselves you know look like the a fifty percent because there's a silent minority, and you know some people on social media are are great sometimes, and they'll say one or two things in in anger, or, or do you know what I mean? So it's not reflective of anything particularly. But yeah, you know, I rarely read a statement from Liam and think that's toss. And they'd always read, you know, I hear, I've heard that one, which was nice. It's like Jack and Ori. Um, but I usually read a statement or I read something or I listen to Liam. And, you know, it just, I don't know, it just sounds to me like they just, not just diplomatic, but he does understand. And people say, oh, you're up his ass and all that sort of stuff. I'm genuinely not. I haven't spoken to Liam um, probably in, I don't know, three, four, five weeks, potentially. Mm. If that, you know, maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. It's I I, I don't have regular dialogue with him. He's not. But it, I just like that. You just read that back to me, and he just just sat there going, "Yeah, yeah, brilliant." You know, acknowledging I follow. Don't need to do that. I, I bet there's not many other clubs acknowledge the I follow problems in a statement about not being able to play because they'll be thinking me, me, me. They'll mm. be, and again, this isn't a criticism of the owners, but they'll be like Dara McAntony going, "This is an outrage. You need to sort this out." Okay, fair enough. That's Dara's. You know, that's his lane. That's what he wants. That's his. That's his persona. And, and as you say, you kind of agree with some of his points. Do we? You don't get that blind indignance from Liam Scully, and you don't get that blind indignance from Lincoln City, and you do always get an acknowledgement of how things affect others. And even just sitting on the supporters board, and I know again it takes some stick from some people, uh, Martin Green in particular, who luckily told me today he doesn't listen to the podcast. So um, say what we like about him. Uh, it's a shame because yeah, I just want to I just want to congratulate him on uh, the rather fantastic retort of. Uh, when I said on social media on Saturday, I said, how is Sean Rowan 17 years old? He just replied with, he's born in 2003. I thought genius. it was genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, do you know what? I, I, I don't, again, I don't really know Martin personally, but I've not had a drink with him or anything, but he's, his, his sense of humour is, is me. He's is, is exactly what I appreciate. And yeah. um, it took me a while to get to know that. Uh, for a while, I used to kind of bang heads with Martin and think, what a knob. And then, uh, that was kind of five, six years ago. And then you actually realise that a lot of what he puts is very dry and very, very witty and that sort of thing. But back to the supporters board, you know, I know it has taken some criticism from some people in the past. But, you know, whenever we have a debate about anything, even if Liam has brought the point to the table and we then universally agree with the point, 
he'll then go, but what about this person's angle? Or what about this group's angle? And then he'll start counter-arguing to make sure that everybody's been represented. And, I mean, a, a classic example of that, and I'm sure I'm not breaking confidence is this, is, is the debate that the supporters board had around season tickets and the season ticket resale windows. Um, and, you know, there was, there was a... a a wider train of thought. I'm not talking about the season, the, the sports board now that, you know, once the first, once the, the February, March one had gone and then Corona kicked in, don't reopen it because otherwise why should those people uh, get a chance to renew? They didn't take the opportunity. This is an unforeseen circumstance. Um, or even if we do then reopen it, should we do one for new season to go? Don't give anyone new a chance. Mm-hmm. But Liam's always kind of, so what about if you're this person? And in that respect, let's say it would be, well, what about if you're someone that hasn't been able to come to games and now you can and you were going to buy a season ticket? Do we want to tell that person that just because his situation's changed, he's not as important as anybody else? And mm-hmm. he kind of always sees things from that view. And, you know, people always call him, I've seen him say, you know, he'd sell his grand for this or he'd rob you for that. And he, he wouldn't. Do you know what? He wouldn't. And he genuinely does consider people, but just because of the position he's in. And I, I like that. I, I just, I just, that, the bit there that you said at the end about I follow and about, um, uh, this, the provision made for the season ticket holders, just, yeah, you know, it's just reflective of the personality that Liam is. And if everybody could actually get to know him and listen to the conversations that I had, and they can't because the information there isn't, you know, it, it shouldn't be it's a lot of the things that are spoken about, I'm sure couldn't be out there. Mm-hmm. If everybody could listen to those conversations and everyone could understand the type of person Liam Scully is, there would be very, very few haters on, um, on social media and, and, and in the wider world. There really wouldn't. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, th- I think, you know, just to add to that, I think the, the conversations that I've had with, with Liam sort of privately, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not, wouldn't want to betray any confidences, but it's always been that case of, you know, there is an understanding there at a, a club level as well as, you know, on a personal level. Like I've, I've had conversations with him about, you know, things away from football. And it's like, you know, I'd, I'll get a, I'll get a text message or something, you know, out of the blue or a Twitter DM that just says, you're all right. It's like, you know, that's the CEO of a football club. You know, it's not, it, it's not, you know, somebody that I've known for 15, 20 years that I you know, used to go drinking with. It's just somebody that's seen something and is asking a question. It's, it's, it's a level of care. And I'm aware that, you know, we're in something of a privileged position doing what we do. But I think having had conversations and having spoken to him about footballing issues as well as, you know, things away from it, I, I don't think, like you say, if, if people understood and, and knew that, I'd, I'd I don't think he'd get the shit that he does. And that's not just me saying, oh, I'm saying that to call up his arse. But it's genuinely like when a statement is put out, it's like we've spoken to him on the podcast before and he said, you know, it's not, they don't wake up in the morning and think, right, how many people can we piss off today? It's not that that's never in the mind of Liam or Clive or anybody at the club. You know, I think looking at, looking at the past of the club, you know, looking at some people that have been in charge or, you know, in those positions before, um, we could be in a hell of a different, you know, much, much different situation um, with with the people there. You know, they're, they're, there is transparency where transparency can be put. You know, if, if there's something that can't be spoken about, there will be, a, you know, a, a respectful sort of, we can't really talk about that at the moment, um, but let's talk about something else that we can do. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no hiding things away. If you ask a question and there is a, you know, um, if there's no legal barrier for them to to not talk about it, or you know, a, a sort of confidentiality or anything like that, you know, it's it's he's as open as he can be. So, um, yeah, backing you up on what you've said there, it's um, it's a refreshing thing to sort of talk about, you know, for for a football club. I think you know, there's not many clubs that can can do that. No, quite. So, Still shit times though, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's not, it is, it, it, it's a really shit time. You know, I'm not going to lie. There's been moments recently where the fact that I'm not going to be able to to go to the games and, you know, have a pint with you and your dad and, and Kev and, and, you know, and Dean and everybody, 
the fact that I'm not going to be able to do that for for a while, it, it has got to me, you know, and it, it's a difficult time for, for, for a lot of people. And like we've said before, if people want to chat, just throw us a message on Twitter or whatever. It's fine. You know, there's, you know, we're all in this together and all of that, you know, all the other platitudes that the government want to throw out. But genuinely, it's, you know, we, we've said that social media is a bin fire, but honestly, at the minute, a lot of people, I think, are finding some solace in being able to talk to each other and, you know, get in touch with each other quickly and reach bigger groups of people. And it's, uh, in some respects, that's comforting. But at the same time, yeah, just just don't be a dick, I think, is ultimately, or don't be interesting. Um, it's probably the best way to, well, to you've put You've got that. that nailed down to a And uh, for heaven's sake, don't ask Ben about his telly or his Xbox. Hey, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. Social media be... doesn't say so. Every day I pick it up and you're moaning about electrical business. No, no. I was I was querying or I was informing mm. my followers. I was informing my followers who are, you know, some follow me for gaming news. Um, I was informing of the, the, the current Some follow you for telly news. <laughs> Nobody follows me for fucking telly news, mate. <laughs> yeah. Some people unfollow you for telly news. That's yes. right. I'm yeah, that, that's probably more likely. But, uh... <laughs> Some follow you for your BBC Radio punditry. Yeah, that's tumbleweed going past. Um, but well, uh... I was I was trying to pay you a compliment there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, not going to bother uh... now, you interesting sod. No, I was saying that, you know, people weren't following me for that. And I was saying that the tumbleweed was when I was on the radio. I didn't hear you on the radio. Anyway. I was doing something else. Anyway. Um, yeah, we've gone for over an hour, guys. I think it's probably a, a fair spot to wrap up. Picking toe fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it is as well, because I've, I've got to do, I've got loads to do, to be honest. So yeah. I've got to promote the pre-match show. Uh, so if you're listening to this before six o'clock on uh, Thursday, uh, we are doing the uh, pre-match live. When I say we, I don't mean obviously the, the podcast. It's the um, video with uh, Sam Ashu and myself labelled as the pundit. Uh, so we're doing obviously a special for the Liverpool game. So do make sure you tune into that on Facebook, Twitter or um, whatever the other one is. YouTube, YouTube. Gary. You know, the, the, that that little website that does video. Yeah, where people video themselves on the YouTube. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be good. It's been it's been really good so far. You know, I've, I have enjoyed it, um, and it's looked really nice on my telly actually. Um, so. <laughs> I'll wear blue tomorrow. And we'll see how that looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you utter twat! Right. Um, yeah, that's that's a good spot to to wrap it up for the week. Uh, I know a good spot was about 15 minutes ago, Ben. But <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Um, will there be a post for the podcast this week on the site, Gary? Uh, there wasn't one last week, was that? You're talking to a man who's busy, Ben. Genuinely a busy, busy man. But yes, I, I will I will try and remember tomorrow uh, before <laughs> setting off for Sinsel Bank. All right, no worries. Right, well, we will see you. Um, we'll see you next week, guys. Enjoy the game and the imps, all that stuff. Bye-bye. <laughs>